Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so, in the spirit of that heritage, let us greet the divine this morning by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. We light the fire of truth and ask to be clear, wise, and humble enough to admit when we don't know. We kindle the warmth of community and ask for open-heartedness and patience. We are grateful to the spirit of life and ask to learn the secret to loving and being loved. Our opening reading this morning is from the book of Micah, which is the sixth of the twelve minor prophets in the Hebrew Bible. Ostensibly, it records the sayings of Micah, whose name is Micaiahu, an 8th century BCE prophet from the village of Moresha, near what is now the Gaza Strip. The reading is titled, What is Required? How shall I enter the Eternal's presence? Shall I come with sacrifices, with yearling calves to offer? Would the Eternal care for rams in the thousands or for oil flowing in myriad streams? What does the Eternal ask of you but to be just, kind, and live in quiet fellowship with your God? This congregation's decisions are guided by its mission, which we say together every Sunday morning and which we wrote on the wall of our worship space. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. During the meditation time, when you all are invited to light candles at the window, the choir is going to be singing a piece by a well-known American composer named Kent Kennan. He was on the music faculty at University of Texas, and he was a member of this congregation. And we are proud of our connection with him. So again, as you listen, you're invited to light candles of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance, or determination.
So today is the happy 65th birthday party for this congregation. Now, Kent um, was one of the stories of this congregation, and I want to tell you some other stories of this congregation, and, and I invite you to think of yourself as part of the story of this congregation, because the fact that you are here is significant, and we all need all of us in order to move forward. Anne Richards was a member, briefly. I found her name in the membership book. Molly Ivins did her very first public speaking gig at the Public Affairs Forum. I learned that by reading her biography. An immensely influential theologian that I studied at Princeton Seminary, Charles Hartshorn, was a member here as well. He was a process theologian and said that we add to God, that we are part of God, and uh, we can help God evolve. Scandal in the Christian community. <laughs> Until they adopted his theology in many churches and said, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but today I want to focus more on the stories of the music folks here. Janet McGoy was the music director here for, I think, 49 years, from 1950 to 1999. She was also on the music faculty at UT. In fact, it's my impression that, although the UUA has lost the list of our founders, apparently, um, it's my impression that many among the founders of this congregation in 1954 were members of the UT music faculty. And that explains why music is such a huge part of the DNA of this congregation. Janet was a wonderful musician, a wonderful pianist, the kind of pianist who was fluent in every kind of classical literature. She could play anything. And the music during her tenure here was classical. Classical. And still is in most UU congregations, sorry, many UU congregations are almost all classical music. And if they feel like having a wild Sunday and playing something contemporary, they might have Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. <laughs> and they're shocked when you tell them how long ago that was. Or Pete Seeger. Nothing wrong with either Beatles or Pete Seeger or classical music. The pianist who played most during her tenure was John Sanders, who has recently passed away. He thought every prelude should be 10 minutes long, and if it was less than 10 minutes, he was not happy. <laughs> and here's the best thing I've learned about John Sanders, and I admire this so much, that even as he was getting older, he still was practicing every day and improving as a pianist. He was already an amazingly accomplished pianist, but he was improving, really, until the end. Music is magic, as you know. It literally moves the air. It literally touches our ears. It literally comes through touch of our ears and moves our spirits, our minds our hearts. 
It can bind an audience together as we listen who hasn't had the experience of being at a concert or being at a soccer game or being somewhere where everybody was chanting or singing the same thing. And it just makes your heart open up and it makes you, depending on the music, feel like screaming and standing on your seat or um, tearing the goalposts down or (laughs) doing your best for whatever organization. Every protest has chants and songs, and I'm here to tell you I think they're getting better. My favorite one right now is where a call and response, some of you will know the answer, and the leader goes, tell me what democracy looks like, and everybody goes, yes. It just makes me feel like protesting something right now. As long as I don't have to stand up for too long and as long as it's not too hot. (laughs) Music can change moods. It can inspire us and lift us up. It can speak to our sorrow. It can speak to our joy. It can help us celebrate the rhythms and seasons of life. When you hear certain songs, if you come from certain cultures, you think of uh, Hanukkah or you think of Christmas or you you think of uh, a wedding song. And so music is a powerful force. Many cultures believe that it can heal. Mickey Hart, who was the drummer for The Grateful Dead, wrote a book called Drumming at the Edge of Magic, which is a wonderful book. And he talks about how drumming in a group can bring people back to being in balance with themselves. He uses it, uh, group circle drumming, with uh, young folks who were kidnapped and made to be child soldiers in Sierra Leone. And we are all here in this room together, and we've all chosen to be here in this room together for one reason or another, hoping for something, planning something, wanting to experience something, just wanting to see people, wanting to be fed, wanting to feed others. Um, In this room, we have atheists and UU Christians and gay folks and straight folks and everybody in between. And we have folks of many different cultures and ethnicities And we can all sing together. We all breathe our breath in. We all breathe it out and sing together. And it is good when we're not always singing songs from the same culture. And the UU musicians in this congregation did something wonderful when they had a search team and Klondike Stedman, Janet McGoy, Brian Euchre, and maybe some other people. Were there other people on that team? Yes. Um, anyway, I won't ask you for their names, but and some others. Uh, picked Brent Baldwin 20 years ago to be our new musical. Okay, that's enough. You'll have more chance to cheer later. Um, 
Then Janet McGoy did something amazing. Completely, I don't know if you know how rare this is. She stepped down from the job and let it go. She stepped down from the job and let it go. And she didn't micromanage Brent into being a Janet McGoy 2.0. She let him do all the foolishness that he was going to do, bringing stuff that wasn't classical along with the classical. And he got some pushback, but not from her. And because she let go, and because he had the courage to stand up to the pushback and continue to broaden the variety of musical genres that were played in the services, people from many different generations and different cultures got to feel welcomed here. And our congregation is continuing to grow, and I think it's in large part because of the wonderful music. But sometimes when you hear, you know, Bach and Queen and Leonard Cohen, um, you're not going to like it. And after a particularly raucous, I can't remember whether the choir was singing Led Zeppelin or Cannibals. Anyway, um, a lady grabbed my arm as I was walking out, and she said, I come to church to be soothed, and that was not soothing. My wife, as many of you know, is a professional musician and a seminary student, soon to be, and she preaches a lot. And what she said from the pulpit and says in many churches is, if you're going to have a growing and inclusive congregation, you're going to have to hate the music about 25% of the time. <laughs> music nourishes our souls can transform lives. It strengthens us for our justice work. Singing in a choir with other people, they will all tell you, can thrill you. Being in a band is a wonderful experience. It's a, it's a stone soup, really, when you have this, these black and white notes on the paper and then you have, like, well, I'll sing this part, and I'll sing this part, well, I'll sing this part, and then it all comes together, and it sounds wonderful. And that's what a church is like, too. It's like a stone soup. You have very little to begin with, and then people come through and go, well, I can do that. Well, I can help with this, so I can give that. Kent Kennan gave this piano. Um, and some money to help t keep it up. Uh, Catherine Govier says it's the best Steinway in town. <laughs> here are some comments from people who have worked with Brent in his choir here. I was there when Brent, along with several others, auditioned to be our new director of music. Once Brent held a rehearsal with us, there was never any doubt who would be chosen. Through his direction... This church choir performed music well beyond what they thought, what we thought our capabilities were. Here's to the next 20 years. Yeah. Okay. 
I have several of these. If you wait till the end to clap, we get to the cake faster. When I first joined the choir, another person writes, he overheard me say, oh, I don't think I can sing this. It looks hard. He jumped in to say, yes, you can, and we will help you. Brent inspired me to stay with it and learn to sing the music I heard in my heart. Another person writes, Brent's choir at First UU practically saved my life. I'd recently moved to Austin and had no friends and no support system. I felt lost. I attended a service at First UU, and the choir was performing a masterwork, complete with chamber orchestra. They were stellar. I knew this choir would help fill a space in my soul that I left behind in my former city. I only sang for one season with that choir, but in that time, I met some of my best friends, artistic collaborators, and got to make some truly exceptional music with and for Brent. Another memory. Brent says, Choir, do you have an eighth rest marked in that measure? Oh, never mind, that's a cat hair. I have two sources on that story. (laughs) Another person writes, it's a joy to work with Brent, his passion and delight in curating and creating music for our community is contagious. And the creative joy he has for his work is a gift to all of us. He works as though he has his dream job and we have our dream music director. Brent, can you come forward? And Klondike, can you come forward? We have a little gift for you, and um, it's not money, sorry. <laughs> I know. I want to say Brent has been a wonderful dream to work with, and he's been willing to collaborate and co-conspire with me if I say, I want a Johnny Cash service. He goes, okay. I say, don't want a Leonard Cohen service for another two years. He goes, okay. I know. One time. I, I was deeply affected. <laughs> I say, friend, I want to preach about punk theology. What can the choir sing? They sang, I want to be sedated. <laughs> anyway, he's a dream to work with, and Klondike is going to present him with this award because he brought him here. Oh, well, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. But, Brent, it, it, as much as I love to razz you whenever I get the chance, mm-hmm. it started back when we were both graduate students at UT, and, and his office and my office were not too far apart. I have had the, uh, un, uh, <clears throat> the honor and pleasure of working with you and hearing you all these years, and it's really enlivened my life. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Oh. I don't even have time to list all the awards that he has won, but he can, this one says, thank you to our magnificent maestro for 20 years. He's always saying things like, oh, I've got to go practice for this concert at the Blanton I'm conducting, or um, I'm imitating him as if he has more arrogance than he does, because he just says it like a regular person. That's my jealousy talking. And... um, (laughs) Or I've got to go play guitar for a room full of teeth there in town. Anyway, he's, uh, he's amazing, and lots and lots of people know it. And jo- like John Sanders, this church 
has continued to learn and grow and practice, we practice. And even though we've just turned 65, I think we're getting better. We continue to get better. And we have a long way to go. And all of us need all of us. And that's why I'm asking you today to consider your level of financial commitment to this congregation, to be part of its story, to help keep it going, to help us keep amazing musicians, to help us continue our mission of nourishing souls and transforming lives, to help us continue to be a voice in the nation as a sanctuary church, to help us continue to teach OWL our whole lives sex education to our youngest people up through our adults. This is a life-saving program. This is a life-saving church. People come here for the first time, usually when something is disrupted in their lives and when they're sad or aching or, or seeking. And this church has provided sustenance for so many, and it's because of you. We need your strong pledge of financial support. We need your voice. We need your help, your point of view, your questions, your strengths, and your weaknesses. We all need all of us as we continue to grow. And yes, this church is 65, but unlike a regular human being, it doesn't only have another 20, 30 years to go. (laughs) In many more years, this church could be 165, and the grandchildren of those little children you saw on the podium here during the children's story could be sitting where you're sitting now, considering, what does being generous within my means mean to me? We ask for people to be generous within their means because there's not a number on financial support that we ask for here. These are not dues. But we ask for a big number because also this is not an NPR station. We know your name. We know your kids' names. We care when you're sick. I'm sure people at KUT know some of y'all. If you divide the budget of this congregation by the number of members, it comes out to about $1,500 per person that it takes for fair share. That's $3,000 per couple. And for some people, that number is kind of negligible. They, they could do that easily. And so for them, being generous within their means might mean more. For other people, they look at that number and they think, oh, that might as well be a gabillion. I just can't even do that. And so for them, generous within their means might mean something else. So that's what we ask. Be generous within your means. And as we come forward at the water communion to mingle our waters that have nourished our spirits during the summer, I ask you now to come forward as we sing with your promises of what part of the sky of this community you are willing to hold up. And we'll join our pledges together to strengthen this place, which is sacred to many of us. Our song, you know it, and it goes like this. May the life I lead speak for me twice. May the life I lead speak for me. 
When I get to the end of my road, lay down my heavy load, may the life I lead speak for me. Put on harmonies if you want to, and come forward. Songs I sing speak for me. May the songs I sing speak for me. When I get to the end of my road, lay down my heavy load. May the songs I sing speak for me. May the work I do, may the work I do speak for me. I say, may the words I say speak for me. May the words I say speak for me. When I get to the end of my room, lay down my heavy load. May the words I say speak first may the path i walk may the path i walk speak for me may the path i walk speak for me when i get to the end of my road and lay down my Thank you, Linda. Thank you, choir. This is a juxtaposition that will highlight something that you all know, but we don't often talk about, which is that these pledges are what keep this church moving forward. We pass the plate every Sunday, so people have a chance to donate if they're not a member of this church or if they just have a little extra that they want to put in the plate as a response to something they've heard or done or seen. And we always say, if this is your first time with us, please keep your money in your pocket unless you're moved to give. Your presence is a gift. And so now, right after you brought forward your pledges, (laughs) we're going to Help ourselves know how this church gets funded. Let there now be an offering taken to sustain and strengthen this place, which is sacred to so many of us. And now together we are going to bless the pledges. And those of you who've been here at a child dedication or blessing of another kind, you know that one of the ways that we bless is by holding our hands toward the person or the space or the thing, and sending good wishes and prayers and thoughts to it and about it. So it's kind of um, 
requires a leap of imagination to see these envelopes as the money that can be turned into anything that this church needs. It turns into staff support. It turns into music. It turns into space. It turns into um, religious education for our children. It turns into caring for our seniors. This support that you have given to this congregation is very important. And now I'd like to have a moment of silence as you send your prayers and wishes for this money toward the basket. These pledges represent labor, effort, inheritance, loss, wise decisions, These pledges represent so much heart. May they be used as as wisely as possible. May May they be used with spirit and creativity, with good judgment and oversight. May they be used fairly. May they move us into helping to build the beloved community. May they move us into being a group of people joined in community who live their values and teach them to the children and learn them again from the children and from the youth. May this community continue to grow more vibrant with a stronger voice. May we not stumble weakly into the future, but stride, roll, crutch, however we move. May we move into the future together. May it be so. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. We are the people of open mind. We are the people of listening ears. We are the people of loving hearts and help. We are the people of open minds. We are the people of listening ears. We are the people of loving hearts and helping hands. Yes, we are, and may we grow into that more and more. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.